Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Oh, Father God, when we think of your son on that cross, our trespasses, our iniquities, laid upon him and as he bled and as he died for us that he would take away our sins how amazing and great is your love and your mercy in grace we receive forgiveness that we may be called a child of God So, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, receive all praise and glory and honour, for you are worthy. And that is our song today. You are worthy. And our gracious God and Father, now we come before your word. We thank you for the time of worship, to sing, to praise you, to glorify you. And in your faithfulness, we ask that you speak to us. Reveal to us the truth of your word. And as we explore what it means to love you with all of our soul, Holy Spirit, enlighten, encourage and empower us to live out this truth, to bear much fruit in accordance with your will for our lives. And we humbly and expectantly ask of this in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to those of you who are new or visiting. Let me add my welcome. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here, and thank you for joining us here in person and online. I'm amazed at how, beginning of the service, I thought, oh my goodness, where is everyone? Then the Lord brought you in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to thank the worship team. As they're leaving and they're going. Thank you, Anka. Hey, I haven't even started yet. That's so unfair. And, and um, yeah, preparing us to hear God's word. Thank you to all our volunteers out there. I see you guys in here as well. And, yes, cameraman, thank you so much. And thank you for your willingness to serve and love this community of believers. Now, today we continue with our series on loving God. The main theme of the series coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, the word translated in English as soul in this verse is the Hebrew word nefesh, and it is used... Over It occurs over 700 times in the Old Testament. Now, our general understanding of the word soul derives from Greek philosophy with the idea that a soul is a non-physical, immortal essence in a person that is contained or trapped in this physical body inside us, only to be released upon death. That there is a distinction between our physical body and our soul. There's a separation. However, this is not the case 
in Scripture. What we understand soul to be in Scripture is the Hebrew word nefesh, translated as soul in the Old Testament. It means a whole being. It means the whole person. That a human being does not own a nefesh, but rather we are nefesh, if that makes sense. We are nefesh. We are a soul. The whole of the living, breathing, physical being is nefesh. And hence sometimes nefesh in the Bible is translated as life, as a person, even as breath. And this understanding and meaning is carried on into the New Testament with a Greek word, psuche, where we get the word, English word, psyche. But to better understand Nefesh, let's look at a couple of examples. Psalm 119-175, the author says this, Let me live that I may praise you. Now the literal translation says, says this, Let my Nefesh live. Not let me live, that's translated, but it says, let my nefesh live, that it may praise you. That their entire being, their life and their body, offer thanks to God to praise God. Another example would be Psalm 42, verse 1-2, which says, as the deer pants for the water, as the deer pants for the water, my nefesh pants after you. My nefesh thirst for the living God to know you and to be known by you. Nefesh, the whole of who I am, the whole of the living, breathing, physical being thirst for the living God. So when we hear, love the Lord your God with all your nefesh, it means to love God with all of who we are all of who we are, the total being of our life and vitality, the whole package is to love God. And so this begs the question, what does it mean to love God with the whole of the living, breathing, physical being, the very essence of who we are? And the second question is, what does this look like actually lived out day to day? Now, to answer these questions, let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, where we get an understanding of what loving God with all our soul looks like. So if you have your Bibles there with you, if you've got your devices, please turn to Matthew, chapter 16. We also have it on the screen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, soul, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or life? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. This is God's word. Now, if you grew up or been in the church for a while, you will know this passage well. We memorize it, we cite it, and we try to live by it, you know, to deny ourselves, carry the cross, and follow Jesus. 
It's a call to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple. But what has this got to do with loving God with our nefesh? Loving God with all of who we are? Well, it has everything to do with it. It has everything to do with it. In short, we are told two things. So today you're going to get a two-point sermon, and if you feel ripped off, come and talk to me after the service, but you're getting two. Not a three-point, two-point sermon. So firstly, Jesus says, follow me, be a follower of me, desire to become my disciple, because either we will choose to be a follower of this world or a follower of the kingdom of God. And those who love God will be a follower of Jesus. That's the first one. Second one, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me in my footsteps. Live the life that I live. Because either we will give our life for the world or give our life for the kingdom of God. And those who love God will give their life to Jesus. So let's unpack these two points. The first, follow me, is an invitation to discipleship. There is a decision that needs to be made. Now, nobody becomes a a follower of Jesus by drifting into it. There must always be a wholehearted commitment, not only a decision, but a commitment in becoming a follower of Jesus. Such a person is called to deny him or herself a total surrendering of their, themselves, total surrendering of their nefesh to Jesus. This is our true love to Jesus, to surrender our nefesh to Jesus as we accept his invitation to follow him, to be his disciple. But our natural tendency is to affirm ourselves, to concentrate on what serves our own interest. We want to live for ourselves, for our best interest. Now, we see this in Peter. Preceding this part of the narrative, Jesus foretold his disciples of his death and resurrection. And Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. I don't know how a disciple rebukes his master, but that's what Peter did. That this will never happen under my watch. You will not die, Jesus, not under my watch. Whether it was for significant security or identity, I don't know, Peter turned his focus away from Jesus and the kingdom of God and focused on the world. For the Messiah that the world was expecting was one who would deliver them from the oppression of the Roman Empire, one who will come with might and power to overthrow them. And this is what Jesus said to Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man the things of this world. Jesus says, you have it wrong. You are thinking from a worldly perspective. That is what a worldly kingdom looks like. It comes with power and overthrows another kingdom. Don't allow yourself to be deceived by what you see in this world. 
from a worldly perspective, but have an eternal perspective and be a follower of Jesus. Jesus calls his followers to renounce such self-interest, self-understanding, self-centeredness, self-assertion, self-pity, self-righteousness, self-serving, self-sufficiency, and self-love. I think you get the point. Jesus calls us to deny self, which is in opposition to what the world says. The world says it's all about me. It's all about the self. But Jesus says, as a follower, it's not about me. It's actually about Jesus. Jesus calls us to leave behind what and where we find our significance. Leave behind our security and identity in the world, but find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Find it in Jesus. For whoever puts to death their passionate pursuit of seeking their significance, security, identity from the world for Jesus, there they will find life and save their soul. So when we offer our nefesh as a living sacrifice, this is the true act of worship and truly loving Jesus as Romans 12.1 says, offer our bodies as living sacrifice, as Jonathan said, for Jesus to offer our nefesh, the whole of who we are, as a living sacrifice. To love God with all our soul is to accept this invitation to become a committed follower of Jesus, to love his will for our lives and to live in that. Now, this invitation is for everyone. Jesus said, whoever. It wasn't just for the 12. He said, whoever, which includes you and me, to become his disciple. Now, we must deny ourselves surrendering our all and take up our cross, putting, death, putting self to death, but made alive in Christ. Made alive in Christ. Which leads us to our second point. So what does this look like to be made alive in Christ, to live in his footsteps? So the second follow me is an instruction for us to live in Christ, to follow in his footsteps. This is where we understand that there is a cost. There is a cost to being a follower of Jesus. As Jesus paid the price because of the love he had for us and for his Father, there is a price that we must pay in loving and living in Christ. It's either you give up the temporal to gain eternity or you give up eternity to gain the temporal. This world is passing away. It says so in Scripture. It's not my words. It says so in Scripture. If you want to attain something in this world, you will give up eternity. But if you pursue eternity, you need to give up the things of this world. Jesus, prop Jesus proposes, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, attaining the treasures of this world? Now, if you haven't heard Dan's message yes, uh, last week, please go ahead and do that. Um, because he talks about the treasures of this world. So I won't unpack um, that here now. 
but please go and watch it at home in time. So attaining the treasures of this world, yet to give up, forfeit your soul, your life for all eternity. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul for eternity? There is nothing that we can give or exchange or pursue to attain eternity. Now Jesus continues, For the Son of Man... Jesus will come in his Father's glory and with all his angels. Then Jesus will reward each person according to what he or she has done. There is not only the spiritual but a personal implication to being a follower of Jesus. It's personal. Now I want to introduce you to this book. If you have not read, it's called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. Right? It's either you're a follower or you're a fan of Jesus. It's a great little book. Teenagers, young adults, please grab a copy. Now, Kyle Adelman in his book, this book, points out three things that Jesus will challenge us as his followers, which will impact us personally and intimately as we look uh, to the day of his return and we live as a follower of Christ. He looks at the narrative in Luke chapter 9 where three people are offered to follow him, to be his disciples. We are introduced to them who initially seem eager to follow Jesus. However, as Jesus challenges them, as they process how following Jesus will impact their life, they begin to make excuses and do not follow him. So if you've got your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 19. Uh, Sorry, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And let me read this for you. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. Jesus this time invites him, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. So through these three responses, these people, we learn that when we accept Jesus' invitation to be a follower, we will be challenged wherever, whenever, and whatever Jesus calls us to. As a follower, Jesus will call us to wherever, whenever, and whatever. And this is what it is to have Jesus in our lives. He will challenge us. Through the first person in the narrative, Jesus challenges us that following him is a journey of risk and uncertainty where we will be taken out of our comforts and into something uncomfortable. Secondly, we learn that there is an immediacy of responding to following Jesus. The second person said, let me go and bury my father. On the surface, it looks and seems like a fair request. But what he really is saying here is, I will come and join you when my father dies. He wants to follow Jesus, but now is not a good time. Now is not a good time. 
But we are told that Simon Peter, his brother, the sons of Zebedee, the disciples, when they were called to follow Jesus, what did they do? They left with him immediately. When Jesus calls us to be a follower, he wants immediacy, not excuses. He wants a response now. Simon Peter, the sons of Zebedee, left their nets. Matthew left his job to follow Jesus. That is the commitment Jesus is looking for in us as a follower. And if we love him more than anything else, we too will do likewise. The last person in this narrative is asked to follow Jesus, but he first wants to say goodbye to his family. He wants to say goodbye. And once again, it seems like a fair request. But again, there is something else which is taking priority over following Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we cannot be divided in our affection to him. What we value and are concerned about, that is where we will be drawn to. Saying yes to following Jesus means saying no to my pursuit of the things of this world. In Ecclesiastes, the wise King Solomon states that he pursued pleasure. He pursued wine, wisdom, building projects, slaves, wealth, silver and gold. He had abundance of singers and a harem. Way too much. He did not hold back. And Solomon says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. But in the end, when he surveyed it all, he admitted that everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So are we willing to give whatever Jesus is asking of us? Are we willing to pay the price of following Jesus? And we know that in our hearts what that price is. We know in our hearts what it is going to cost us if we follow Jesus. Now, if you have no idea of what that cost might be for you, try and fill in the blank after this st statement. Whatever comes immediately to your mind, into your heart. Jesus, I will do everything but... Jesus, I will follow you, whatever, whenever, wherever, but. What's that but? As Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus is asking us today, do you and I love him more than anything in this world? Now that's a huge question. That is a huge question. But it's a question that Jesus is worthy to ask of us. And he can empathize with us in grappling with this question. To answer this question is a struggle. I don't know about you, it is a struggle. Do you love me more than anything in this world? I'll be honest, it's a struggle.
Why is Jesus worthy to ask us of this? For he was asked by the Father, Do you love me, my son? Father God asked him, asked him Do you love me? Do you love me enough to surrender that all you have here with me, to empty yourself, even to the point of becoming a servant, to die on the cross, that those who are lost may be saved through you? Jesus' response was, Father, wherever, whenever, or whatever you ask of me, yes. Because I love you with all my nefesh, the very essence of who I am. And because Jesus said yes, we too can take comfort in knowing that Jesus will not ask of us wherever, whenever, whatever, he hasn't been asked of, of, of himself. We don't follow in his footsteps where he hasn't been before. But he knows exactly where he is taking us. And therefore, we can fully trust in him as we follow in his footsteps. That, and that's how we love him, to follow him in his footsteps. For he loved us first. And we, in this knowledge as he calls us to love him as his disciple, to take us to the place where he wants to take us. We can trust him in this and follow in his footsteps. You know, some of you, um, those of you who know me well, I love to talk about myself. No, not really. I don't like talking about myself at all. But I was just prompted to share this with you. So last week, and it fits in so well with this passage. So last week, I was um, at a gathering, not this gathering, I was at another gathering, who potentially might come together with Mounties for the church plant. We are discerning through this process at the moment. So there's uh, young families, about 50, gathering, and uh, they don't have a pastor, and it's just a house church, close to the proximity of the area that we were thinking of, we are thinking of. And so I asked God, God, if it's your will, show me a sign, show me a sign. So I cast out my fleece, and I went there. Throughout the whole service, My heart was just open to them and warmed up to them in an amazing way. Now, those who know me, it takes a bit of time for me to open up. So I knew, I knew God was calling us together in this. And during this week, as I was preparing this message, God reminded me of a conversation that I had with Rachel and something that she said, she's more holier than I, so it's something that she said, um, it, as we were praying together about church plant. And this is what she said, if God ever calls us to do a plant, or ever calls us out of mounties, I hope that he will call us to a place where there's no pastor, where there is uh, no church, that something, he will do something new in that place where people are lost and where people need to be found. And God reminded me this, of this conversation and he said, 
Because I didn't, I didn't expect that it to come this quickly. So he said, you know, it wasn't your timing. It might not be the place where you're thinking about, but the conversations and the things that you had in your heart, I've been directing that because I've gone before you and you just need to follow. He's already known about this group that will need a pastor, that it is seeking a pastor in the locality. We even thought about going to a country church where there was no pastor. There are country churches, a lot of country churches that needs a pastor. But he's been already working in our lives. But he calls us. You know, you need to follow me. Wherever, whenever, whatever I call you to. And it's not about me. It's not about us. It's actually about what God is doing. It's all about Jesus. So to conclude, brothers and sisters, let me conclude with this quote from this book before we come to communion. So Kyle says this, This is how God loves us and how he wants to be loved by us. Please understand, Jesus loves you so much. He died to have a relationship with you. He will not share your heart with anyone. He will settle for nothing less than your complete devotion and heartfelt affection. He made no compromises when he came and gave his life for you and takes no compromises now as he asks you to do the same. The reason Jesus is so adamant about followers surrendering everything is because the reality is this. The one thing we are most reluctant to give up is the one thing that has the most potential to become our substitute for Jesus. Really what we are talking about is idolatry. When we are to be following Jesus, who is ahead of us, but we find ourselves looking behind us, we are revealing that we are substituting something or someone for him. When we finally surrender that one thing, we discover the satisfaction that comes from following Jesus that was always missing when we were holding something back. I know the reluctance to go all in and give Jesus anything and everything. We are afraid of what we will lose. But Jesus says, do you love me? Do you trust me? Then surrender everything and come follow me. For this is the true act of worship and to love our Lord with all our soul. So as we come to communion, the bread and the wine is a symbol of the body of Jesus broken and the blood shed for us because he loves us. We were reminded that on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are proclaiming that Jesus loved the Father with all his soul, even to his last breath as he hung on the cross. He surrendered and gave everything because of his love for the Father 
and for us. Family, let's take the bread now, but before we drink the cup, let's pause and be still. And let's spend some time in silent prayer. And we need to ponder and think about these questions. Is God calling you to follow him? And what is he asking you to surrender at the feet of the cross? What is it, what is it that you are willing to say yes to Jesus, but? What's that but? Let's spend time with Jesus. Repent, seek forgiveness, maybe give thanks, give praise, as we will find shalom and comfort in his love at this table. So let's take the bread now, if you haven't done so already. And in a moment I'll pray and let's drink together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for saying yes to the cross. We live in the, in the shadow of that cross, your life given so that we may have life. Lord, help us each day that we may live with you and love you with all of our soul to be a committed follower. And wherever, whenever, or whatever you call us to, grant us the courage and the strength to say yes and to faithfully walk with you. Give us the strength to love you with all of our soul. Grant us the wisdom to know and differentiate from the things of this world and things of the kingdom of God. Help us to surrender our all to you. And we pray in the matchless name, the name of Jesus, our risen Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We hope you enjoy this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.